Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty along with my brother Brian. We're going to be talking about advocating for agriculture. And we would love to hear your thoughts on that topic. Or if you've got agronomic questions, our phone lines are open for that as well at 844-44-AG-PHD. Of course, you can always email us, radio at agphd.com. Personally, as a farmer and as as an agronomist, I get a little frustrated by a lot of the negative talk and publicity that's out there. A lot of which people just don't even know what they're saying. They don't know what the facts are, and it, and it's kind of frustrating. I just feel like in agriculture, we get picked on a lot, and we feel it's really important to stand up for ourselves and for our industry. If you look at what we do today as farmers and as agronomists, it's amazing compared to even 20 years ago. It's, it's incredible the amount of food that's now being produced, the safety of that food, what we're doing with our land and our resources. It's amazing. So if you are a farmer, first of all, great job. But second, you need to speak up a little bit more. I mean, we do as well. We got to keep talking about the positive things that are going on in agriculture because if we don't do it, who's going to? And we're going to continue to get picked on. We got to stand up for ourselves and advocate for agriculture. All right, so we'll talk about that as we go throughout the show today. But right now, let's get to the Ag PhD Mailbag. It's the mailbag! All right, let's start with one, one music. One of those. Theme, and then we'll go with the other. <laughs> yep, okay. All right, Brian. Uh, got a question. This one came in uh, from South Dakota. This came from Micah. And he said, all right, guys, we've had a hard frost now. And we've got some winter annual weeds out in fields. Guys have been trying to to control those at this point. What do you think about 2,4-D dicamba? I know Roundup goes down a little bit in in effectiveness after you've got a frost. Is it still worth going out after the the winter annuals? And yep. would you add the 2,4-D in like you had before with Valor? Yeah, I, I've actually gotten this question several times here in the last few days. Just had one uh, right before the show about dandelions too, and I said. If it's me, am I going to do it? Sure I am. Now, is the control going to be as good as before the frost? No. But as long as you're not using Roundup, the control is probably still pretty darn good. I don't know exactly why, but with Roundup, we just see the control really drop off. So as long as you're still going with 2,4-D or dicamba, something like that, you're in pretty good shape. Out in pastures, if you wanted to use Tordon or Milestone, one of these products that has residual. So, sure, they have contact activity, too, but you're mainly after the residual control anyway with those products. I mean, I'm just saying there's still a lot of things that can be sprayed in different situations, and you're going to be fine. All right. Uh, I get this one from RG. He said, guys, uh, you were talking about foliar feeding, or somebody on the show was talking about foliar feeding. Uh, just curious uh, are the fertilizer rates computed like the same as side dress fertilizers, or how do you determine what rates you're going to do on foliar sprays? Well, I, I mean, things are determined the same way, yes, but you have to understand when you're spraying fertilizer, which by very definition is salt, over the top of a growing leaf, it can only stand so much. So you can't put on big time rates. That's why we often talk about, okay, if let's say you need 
100 more pounds of nitrogen, yeah, you're not doing that fully, or at least not with a ground rig. You can't. You just physically can't put that much on a leaf without it really getting burned. So I, I'm just saying foliar absolutely has a fit but what we're typically talking about is very low rates we got to make sure that we're careful about the salt and about that leaf burn because you don't want to end up doing damage to that plant instead of creating the benefit that you were hoping to provide by putting the fertilizer out all right thanks for the question this uh this came from Mitchell down in Australia, who, by the way, Mitchell says, has anybody noticed that Darren looks like Chuck Norris? I don't know. I don't know about that one. I wouldn't say Chuck Norris and I are twins, but uh, maybe the beard. Maybe the beard is what's getting him. Uh, he said, guys, uh, sorry about this photo dump that I'm giving you, but we have had down here in Australia one of the wettest periods I can recall. We got some of our corn in and it's up and it looks good still we're battling cool temperatures for the cotton i sent you our weather that's coming up and for october now i've already received weekly rains of two to three inches with more in the forecast so we are mudding in as much crop as possible wishing we had some form of subsurface drainage uh taking a look at uh, what you see there what would you do would you keep mudding stuff in would you just wait uh and of course obviously brian would get the tile going right now Okay. The the challenge with being, well, one of the many challenges with being a farmer is you have to deal with the weather. And the problem is none of us knows when the rain's going to stop. And so it, it's really hard to make that call. If it's early in your growing season, okay, let me, let me give you an example because I'm, I don't, I don't know what's common for you for a start date, end date, that kind of thing. But, but here's my example. Like on our farm, April 10th or 11th, I don't remember, uh, one of those two. April 10th or 11th is the first plant date for corn for crop insurance. May 25th is the last plant date for corn for full crop insurance. And then we've got like roughly three weeks after that where you could still plant corn and get some crop insurance. And so we'll, we'll push it that far. So basically starting April 10th, the ideal window probably finishes, let's call it the 5th of May. 25th of May, we'd really like to be done. And the 15th of June, we basically have to be done. Okay, so I don't know where you're at in all that. But what I'm saying here is if I'm in the first two, three, even four weeks of planting time and I say, all right, the only way I can get it in is I have to mud it in. Yeah, I'm not mudding it in. No way. I'll wait for better conditions. If we are at already to June and we're at the last couple weeks where it's if I don't plant it now, I am not going to get it planted. I can't raise a crop. There's not enough time left for me to raise a crop. At that point, then I'm really seriously going to consider mudding stuff in. So that's how I would look at it. So yeah, if you still have a bunch of time, I probably would not mud it in, but then I'd plan for the future, get some tile on the ground, and then you'll be in better shape. Thanks for the question. We appreciate that. We'll be right back talking agriculture advocacy after this. Stay tuned. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. Pentair Hypro Ultra Low Drift Nozzles are your ideal choice for the Enlist E3 herbicide system. With coverage comparable to flat fans and with 90% less drift, ULD nozzles meet all required standards for Enlist applications and provide optimal performance of contact herbicides. Learn more at pentair.com hypro. 
It came on a night like any other, with power unlike anything else on Earth. Using beyond advanced active ingredients like bicyclopyrone, Acuron GT post-emergence corn herbicide is here to annihilate tough weeds. Advanced technology, enhanced control. Talk to your Syngenta retailer about Acuron GT. Always read and follow label instructions. If you've ever wondered how the Farmall got its name, here's an abbreviated list of the jobs the Case IH Farmall can do. Baling, cutting hay, feeding, hauling, loading, pulling, raking, cleaning barn, mixing feed, fertilizing, mowing, chopping, seeding, clearing, irrigating, furrowing, cultivating, hitching, digging, emergency tow, harrowing, hoisting, leading parades, excavating, grading. <sighs> Let's make it simple. This tractor does it all. So no matter what you're doing, can do comes in red. Farmall. Learn more at caseih.com slash farmall. There's a new kind of crop protection in your territory, and it's always on the hunt. Howler Fungicide unleashes multiple modes of action for proven, broad-spectrum protection against soil-borne and foliar diseases. Start protecting your territory at agbiome.com howler. Did you know 20% of stored corn is often overventilated by three points of moisture? On 100,000 bushels, that's a whole semi-load. Stop this problem for less with the end zone for corn from Farm Shop MFG. Specially priced at $1,800 per unit while supplies last. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio, talking about advocating for agriculture on today's show. And we're also taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. And we'll start off, we got Cody Lyon with us right now with the American Farm Bureau Federation. How you doing, Cody? I'm doing very well. How are you today? Pretty good. Now, I'm going to argue for uh, advocating for agriculture. It's everybody's job. Uh, but seems like there's a few that take take a lot of responsibility here. I know you're one of these people. Uh, what can we do to empower farmers to, to do more advocating for agriculture in general? I think the first thing is just being able to be available and open to uh, sharing your story, to meeting with those decision makers, whether it be um, lawmakers on Capitol Hill that I work with and, and help the Farm Bureau members interact with, or even at the state level and the county level. They're going to be decision makers. They're going to be um, uh, elected officials or, or regulators or others who are going to have an impact on every farmer's and rancher's life and um, you know their ability to to share their story, talk about the issues that are impacting them and why those issues are important. And then, lastly, what do what do the farmers and ranchers want their elected officials to do? I think one of the things that happens. Uh, sometimes and probably more often than it should is there's not the ask there's not that that i have this issue i have this problem this is what i need and, and would like you to do to 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 help me out yeah that's a great point you, they don't necessarily know what we need we've got to tell them because you know, the big thing is a lot of people just don't understand what we're doing out on the farms and i think they get kind of scared sometimes when they see big equipment running through the field especially if it's applying anything out in the field that seems to be where i get the most question wait 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 what are you guys what are you guys putting out there how much are you putting out there and why i think there there's a lot of people curious about what we're doing out there 
There are. I think curiosity is a good thing. I think curiosity helps people better understand because it, it, they have more of an open mind. Uh, I think you know when someone when you can make a, a reference to something that they understand or uh, from their point of view, I, I think that that helps. I think one of the uh, most important things I saw the last couple of years is, is sometimes you know people assume that farmers or ranchers were were applying. Uh, 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 tools to their field and farm in, 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 in an unbelievable quantity. But when you showed them, no, it's this much and this much is less than what is in the can of Coke you have now per uh, however many acres that I have to apply it. And it's, it's, you know, it's mainly water or it's these other things that help the plant grow and survive. I think you just have to be able to kind of explain your point of view in their frame of reference. And and, and, and this comes into play whether you're talking with consumers, uh, you're talking with people who are just skeptical, or you're talking with decision makers. There's just a level of of uh, of, of of not having an understanding of what farmers and ranchers do on a daily basis. And farmers and ranchers have to be able to help people understand what they do and why from a point of view and context that that person shares. And when I've seen, I've seen uh, when, when that occurs, there's an understanding. That light bulb goes off. There's a better, better understanding. You know, I think there's a lot of different things that I've seen out there that have been pretty successful. One of the things that just comes to mind is husband and wife teams. It seems like when a farmer's wife is saying, yes, this is exactly how it is, and I'm raising my kids right here in this lifestyle by choice, uh, that, that seems to resonate with a lot of people. People trust farm wives maybe even more than farmers. <laughs> that's, that's probably true. I think that we research, I think, has shown farmers are, are trusted uh, as, as, a, as a group more than almost any other. And, and, and that goes for uh, husband and wives, as families interact, especially when there are videos and pictures of, of families on farms and ranches interacting with animals, walking through fields, uh, you know, dealing with uh, uh, items that have been harvested from the field. I think the ability to kind of have the right spokesperson, the right, the right, uh, the right message from the right person and utilizing the right visuals, I think, comes into play as well. Because there's nothing more authentic than, than a farmer rancher voice, uh, and, it's, and it's just simply the ability to have farmers and ranchers feel very comfortable telling that story and showing that story is, is also very important. Yeah, absolutely. Great tips and, and observations there. We're talking with Cody Lyon with the American Farm Bureau Federation. Cody, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for what you do. We really appreciate it, and good luck here uh, heading into this next season. I know we got some big elections coming up. Yes, sir. thank you very much. I appreciate it. You bet. Uh, got Larry on with us right now out in Ohio, still looking at a little weed control. Larry, how you doing? Great. But I got a problem with my diverted acres that I've had for the government for the last two years, and I my thistles and the is diverted acres really got out of. I didn't know I had that many thistles, but it seems like they multiplied the whole. Like a two-acre plot, I got two acres of thistles, and I don't have that in my fields. And my question is, how can I spray something like Tordon here in the fall that goes down the roots and uh, destroys the, the thistles so I don't have them? Or is there a better product? Or should I do it in the spring? Or 
Okay, so Larry, how, uh, how, do, how do I how sure. do I get control here? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, Larry, here's my question for you. You say diverted acres. What's this going to be next year, and call it five years? It, from it'll now? be it'll be diverted acres because I signed it in a ten year program. Oh, okay. So CRP then. Yeah, yeah, that's gotcha. what I should have said. That. Yeah, no problem, no problem. So personally, we like milestone a little better than Tordon. Uh, but yes, you could go out and spray Milestone or Toradon yet this fall. You could certainly wait until spring if you would like to do it. I prefer to get it on as soon as I see the thistles. I don't care if it's spring, summer, or fall. doesn't really matter to me. A lot of people talk about how the control is a little bit better in the fall, and it might be. But, I mean, either way you go, Milestone or Toradon, you should be able to wipe these thistles out and take care of them, whether you spray now or in the spring. So if you have time and you can get at it, I'd probably go out with seven ounces of straight Milestone this fall. You go spray those thistles with that, and it'll be amazing, and you'll leave yourself residual for probably at least two to three years. So you're saying milestone is better than Tordon? You it would is. prefer that? It is. Now, is when when we talk about, I, I, my, here's my other question for you. I just want to make sure we're not giving you a bad recommendation. Is this CRP all grass, or are there any legumes out there? Uh, there's some. It's mostly grass. I see. Okay. I went and uh, chopped it, and I thought I thought I had didn't have thistles until I chopped it, and lo and behold, <laughs> it seemed like they grew the whole uh, patch. I got thistles everywhere. Oh, oh, oh! I've 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 had situations like that too, Larry. So don't feel too bad. Uh, we all get caught sometimes with that. It happens. But anyway, coming back to this grass versus legume thing. If you have any legumes you wanted to save out there, then we don't have any good recommendations to kill the thistles. If you go spray, I don't care if it's Tordon, Milestone, 2,4-D, Distinct, Dicamba, any of the things that even knock thistles back, they all kill legumes. So like clovers, alfalfa, that kind of thing. But if all you're trying to keep is the grass and you want the thistles dead, Milestone is your best shot. How long will that last then when I do that? And will they come back in another year? Or? It'll it'll last two to three years. I'm not saying that three years from now there won't be some thistles that'll come back, and possibly even next year there could be a handful, but you should pretty well wipe them out for good when you spray a product like Milestone or Tordon because of the long residual. Okay, the other question, if I use a generic brand of Tordon and it's I guess it's, I'll spell it for you, P-I-C-L-O-R-A-N. Yep. Pickleran. 22K. Yep. Is that as good as a regular Tordon? Yes. Yep, yep. So what you would want to use with Tordon would be a quart or the generic. Otherwise, like I say, go seven ounces of Milestone. So either go a quart of Tordon or that generic, or you go seven ounces of Milestone. Either way, you're going to get okay, great control. Quart or? Seven ounces of Milestone. or seven ounces. Yep. Seven ounces. Yep. Okay, very good. All right. Good luck, Thank Larry. You. you bet. Thanks. Right. I love solving thistle problems, Darren, because we used to have uh, those ourselves, yes. and we've pretty well taken care of them over the years. I mean, it, it does, though, sometimes, after you've completely taken care of them, I feel like sometimes we get a little complacent, and sometimes we've not even sprayed pastures. We're like, ah, we got no weeds out there. Well, if you don't spray for two or three years, guess what? Some of the thistles do eventually come back. So anyway, it's important to continue monitoring those. 
All right, we'll continue talking about advocating for agriculture after this. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. Are you combining around weed patches, waiting for weeds to dry down, or tired of spring burndown failures? Save time, nutrients, and moisture by including a Valor herbicide brand in your fall burndown program. Valor provides excellent residual control of tough weeds, including kochia, mare's tail, prickly lettuce, dandelion, plus suppression of bromes. Proactive, effective weed resistance management starts in the fall. Get a clean start for your next season with Valor Herbicide Brands. Always read and follow label directions. It changes everything. So says Indiana corn grower Nathan Davis about innovative Zyway LFR fungicide from FMC. Zyway brand fungicides are the first and only at-plant corn fungicides to provide unprecedented, season-long, inside-out foliar disease protection. Discover more grower and retailer success stories at zyway.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Ag PhD has one mission, to give you the knowledge you need to make your farm more successful. That's why every issue of the Ag PhD Insider Magazine features crop fertility and pest management tips, insights into the world's highest yielding farmers, updates and results from our in-field research trials, as well as the latest agronomy information from Brian and Darren Hefty. We put it all in one place so you can make your farm more productive and profitable. Subscribe to the Ag PhD Insider at agphdinsider.com. The value of your farm building is in its ability to protect what's stored inside. That's why Morton Buildings ensures that every machine storage and insulated workshop we build will provide superior strength and durability. As a 100% employee-owned company, we're all committed to being the industry leader with a focus on innovation, service, quality, and most importantly, customer satisfaction. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today, talking about advocating for agriculture. And I think it's great to get as many people talking about agriculture as possible. Let's let's uh, catch on with as many folks as we can and come across as many folks as we can to let them know what we're doing out here. One of the folks who really likes to do that is the millennial farmer, Zach Johnson, over in Minnesota. How you doing, Zach? I'm doing good. How are you guys? Pretty good. Well, you like talking to people and talking about what you're doing. Why? Why is it so hard? Why? Why do people more people not do this? 
Uh, you know, I think it's because we're busy, right? Farmers are really busy, and a lot of the times it's not top of mind to figure out how to advocate for what we're doing out here. When you talk to folks about agriculture, uh, do they understand anything at all that we're doing? Do they think they understand what we're doing, or, or what kind of questions do you get? Honestly, I think it runs the whole course. It kind of depends on who you're talking to. I think there's a lot of people that have a little bit of an understanding of what we're doing, but they don't really understand, you know, why we use uh, GMOs or, or drain tile or pesticides and how we actually understand the management behind that and the science behind it and why we use those things. I think there's a lot more to it than most people would expect. One thing that I hear from from non-farmers, too, is, well, what do you guys do in the winter? Because you just plant a crop, and then you come back a few months later and harvest it, right? And I'm like, well, that's a very small portion of the story. Uh, is, is that part of what you talk about, just kind of all those other things that go into farming? Yeah, you know, I, I try to get that across. That is a difficult one because for people that are not farmers, you know, they drive around this time of year during harvest and they see the big machinery and the trucks running on the roads and same thing in the spring. So it's easy for them to see the big machinery out, you know, two months out of the year and think we plant the crop, the crop goes and, and, and we harvest it. But there's so much management that goes into it. And of course, I mean, I don't have livestock, but I just, I, those guys, they got tons to do all the time. But even just as crop farmers, the, the management that goes into it and the marketing and you know, there's so much behind the scenes that you don't see when you drive by on the highway and see the combines moving. Yeah, that's for sure. There's there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff and and a lot of fun too. You know, you you mentioned how much work it is, but I think it is important that people see that we're having fun out here too. Oh yeah, for sure. Everybody likes to have fun, whether you're you're a farmer or you're not a farmer. And one of the the beautiful things about being a farmer is you you typically you are your own boss and. You can have some of that flexibility, and you, you know, like I like to do in my videos, I like to involve the family and show them how this is a multi-generational thing, and and you know that that's kind of a the American success story that we want multi-generational farms and businesses out here. I think it's good too, Zach, that you don't just show, hey, everything is perfect all the time out here. Uh, this is the real world, and sometimes things go against us. So I appreciate that. Yeah, you got to balance that, right? I always try to balance that, and you know, I don't want to come across as negative, but at the same time, like you say, I don't want to, I don't want to come across that everything is always perfect either. I try and show it how it really is. Well, that's why I do the show with Brian. That way, we can focus on his acres too, and and just kind of keep a balance out there. You know, some things are pretty good. Some some places we just struggle out here. Yeah, that's important. <laughs> Uh, all right, Zach, what, what's coming? What's, what's coming down the road? I, I know you've been really successful what you're doing. Uh, what are some things you're working on and, and maybe that we'll see here in the next year? You know, the big thing for me on the Millennial Farmer Channel, honestly, I just try and show what's going on at the time. So I don't script anything. I don't typically plan too far ahead. I mean, my main job is farming. That's what I love to do. That's what I've always done. And what happens, happens. And and I'll make the videos, continue making the videos and showing people the realities of, of what happens on the farm. Uh, we've got a second channel that we, we started not too long ago called Between the Rows. And that one is kind of an off-the-farm channel that we're going to try to focus on a little bit more in the next year here. And just to kind of have fun with it and see if we can grow it and, and show, uh, like you say, how farmers go out and have fun. And we've got some hobbies that we really enjoy that we, we want to show on that channel as well. So that's one of the 
one of the, the side things that we're concentrating on here in the next year. That's awesome. Well, Zach, we appreciate what you do. Uh, thank you so much for, for advocating for agriculture and really appreciate having you on the show today as well. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. And I would say the same to uh, to you guys. You know, you guys do a great job of, of getting the word out there about agriculture and and advocating and, and also educating the farmers out there, myself included. Well, thank you so much, Zach. We really appreciate it. Hope to Hope to talk with you again soon. Absolutely. All right. Thank you. Uh, we got Cindy Heidelberger with us right now with South Dakota Ag in the Classroom. Uh, Cindy, how are you doing today? I'm not doing too bad. I'm really happy as a jackrabbit that, you know, what we're number one when we took out USD and NDSU. Oh, that is that is fun, Cindy. I, I, I know it's college football season is a good time. And yeah, it's one of the things for farmers. Uh, uh, this month is just so busy. Guys are in tractors. Guys are in combines. Uh, uh, they're, they're just a lot of time tuning in on the radio and, and catching some of these sports games. It does help pass the time because, man, there's a lot of work going on right now. There is a lot. Yep. There's All a right. lot going on. All right. So when you talk about agriculture in the classroom, I think this is so absolutely critical. There are a lot of kids now that are four and five generations away from being on a farm, and, and many of them don't even have a relative or anybody they know that farms, even in small towns. It, it's crazy mm-hmm. out there. So talk to us about some of the big challenges and some of the big rewards talking to kids about agriculture in the classroom. I would say, thank, and it is a privilege to be able to tell that story and to be able to expose our teachers and, and our young people to that story and South Dakota's story specifically every day. It's, it's an honor to do that. And with people and partners like yourself, it's, it's great to be able to, to have that opportunity. I would say one of the challenges is our students need the opportunity and, and the motivation to find themselves within the agriculture story. So often it's defined by the, the beautiful pastoral look of the perfect farmhouse and all of the cute animals running around. But like we know, there is so much more going on behind the scenes. As I used to tell my students when I was teaching, go below the surface. Don't just scratch, don't just skim the top. Go below. What is, and, and to, to ask the questions. I think that's another challenge is to motivate our students to ask questions and for those that are being asked to receive those questions. Questions are good. Questions invite us to seek more knowledge, invite us to have more conversation, invite us to maybe sometimes branch out of our silos and be able to say, well, this is why um, we do this particular practice. This is why the beef cattle are outside. This is why the dairy cattle are inside. This is the motivation behind which we do this. And we focus on fourth grade and specifically social studies because we can tell the correct and accurate story of agriculture, specifically South Dakota's agriculture, and marry it to who and what South Dakota is. I mean, agriculture is, is South Dakota's number one economic driver, and I can link that to all of the, the stories and the history that exists within South Dakota's origination and how we continue to evolve. So our fourth grade students are grabbing onto this, and not only are they learning about what's in their own backyard, but the economic drivers and the individuals that literally are putting the food, fiber, and um, fuel opportunities in front of them on a daily basis. And that is a privilege. You know, when kids get to double digits and they're 10 or 11 years old and they're in fourth grade, 
they're pretty mm-hmm. smart at that point. They, they're starting to figure out some of these things out in the world, and they are starting to have some grown-up questions. And, and it's great to have a resource for them to, to say, hey, that's a great question. Let's talk about that. Talk about why that happens. Because there are a lot of things in agriculture that have evolved. And the story of agriculture that maybe their parents or grandparents have told them from 30 years ago, uh, there's a lot of cool technology out there. And <laughs> honestly, we need a lot of these kids to be inspired to be in agriculture. Yes, we do. We do. We need those that are gamers. We need those that are, are creative to look at the marketing, uh, to, to look at more economic and efficient ways to for crop production. Um, there are things about agriculture that we have not even dreamt up yet because it's sitting in the laps in the minds of these young people, and they need to find themselves within that tapestry. But we also need to be able to empower our teachers with the best and most researched and soundest curriculum opportunities available to them because those teachers are the ones that are pouring into that next generation, really creating those critically thinking, problem-solving, community-minded citizens that we're all hoping our fourth graders become. Oh, what a tool for the teachers to have ag in the classroom. And we're talking to Cindy Heidelberger mm-hmm. about South Dakota ag in the classroom. Cindy, thanks for what you do. We really appreciate it. Thanks for being on the show today, too. Thank you, and thank you for what you do. You bet. You're welcome. We are happy to do it. We love talking about agriculture, and that's what our show is about today. Advocates for Agriculture, and our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. Did you know that more than 50 weed species will survive the winter? Get a jump start on spring with a fall burndown herbicide plan. Weed control in fall provides big benefits, including more flexibility, less need for tillage, and a stronger start come planting. New Farm offers a strong lineup of proven herbicides to reduce the weed seed bank and protect your crop, from harvest to canopy. Go to newfarm.com slash US crop slash fall burn down 2022 to learn more. What does winter have in store? I'm Greg Souter with 360 Yield Center. We don't know what's going to happen in three days and certainly not in three months. So there's no way of knowing what's going to happen to the nitrogen we applied this fall. But by moving your application to spring with the 360 bandits on your planter, you know your nitrogen will be there when the plant needs it. And with the split application with 360 wide drop, you can add just what the plant needs to finish strong. Learn more at 360yieldcenter.com. Are you combining around weed patches, waiting for weeds to dry down, or tired of spring burndown failures? Save time, nutrients, and moisture by including a Valor herbicide brand in your fall burndown program. Valor provides excellent residual control of tough weeds, including kochia, mare's tail, prickly lettuce, dandelion, plus suppression of bromes. Proactive, effective weed resistance management starts in the fall. Get a clean start for your next season with Valor Herbicide Brands. Always read and follow label directions. At Corteva AgriScience, we want to keep farms healthy and productive, today and tomorrow. That's why we're investing in a robust pipeline of naturally derived biologicals. Meet Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer. It's a sustainable nitrogen fixation product that facilitates crop growth and optimizes yield potential. With the fluctuation in fertilizer prices, Utricia N is a reliable solution. It can be used alongside your traditional nitrogen program to enhance your ROI this year. For more information, visit Corteva.us. Every week for more than two decades, AgPhD TV has provided agronomic information to make your farm more productive and profitable. In each episode, we discuss a wide range of topics covering everything from crop fertility, promoting soil health, improving the environment, pest control, and more, all designed to help you push your farm to higher yield goals and more profitability. 
Be sure to catch us on Tuesdays and Saturdays on RFD TV. Check your local listings or visit agphd.com to learn more. Go long for season-long foliar disease protection that starts at plant. Only Zyway brand fungicides from FMC provide season-long foliar disease protection from the start. Active ingredient Flutriafol moves through your corn plants as they grow for inside-out protection from roots to tassel. Growers and retailers are sharing their Zyway brand fungicide success stories at zyway.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty, live in the Morton studio. Today on the show, we've been talking a little about advocating for agriculture, and one of the best advocates for ag that I know is our friend Rob Sharkey with the uh, Shark Farmer radio show and TV show and all the stuff you got going on there, Rob. How you doing today? It's good. Good to talk to you guys. So tell us just a little bit about... When you, you travel around the country and everything and talk to a lot of people. Just the general perception of farmers from non-farmers. Do you feel it's it's very negative? Do you feel it's it's pretty positive? I mean, wh- what do you think things are like out there? No, it's generally really positive. That That's always been reassuring as we talk to people that aren't in agriculture. They, they do respect us. Uh, they do trust us. Uh, I think we, as farmers in agriculture, we get caught up in listening to the the loud ones that are trying to make trouble or trying to stir the pot. But in general, I think most people are very trustworthy of farmers. So what's the most common thing that you will bring up to somebody in terms of how you advocate for agriculture? If, let's say, you run into somebody that is a non-farmer and they say, yeah, just tell me about ag a little bit and what you do. You know, just be honest uh, and take the time to explain it. You know, uh, we farmers, we have a tendency to speak agonies. You know, we, we talk in our own language. We talk... PTOs, we talk, uh, you know, instead of saying herbicides, we will you say Roundup and stuff like that. You know, take the time to explain uh, what it actually is that we do. They respect it. They they find it fascinating. And I think you see that, you know, when agriculture shows are on TV or on uh, YouTube, how the general public will stop and 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 take a look at it. So what are maybe the most common misconceptions about agriculture and farming that you try to clear up when you have any of these discussions? That we wake up at 4 a.m. <laughs> That's the main one. <laughs> Generally, it's, it is that we're just putting, you know, a lot of pesticides and chemicals onto our fields. And, and we do have to address that. Right now, Emily and I are driving through uh, North Carolina. We're going to be doing some speaking tomorrow. And we stopped at a, a Starbucks because, you know, $6 corn, you're going to get the expensive stuff. And they, they ask you if if you want a straw. And I'm like, well, of course I want a straw. And then it's the whole thing about, you know, you, people not using straws because of that video with a sea turtle that went viral. One video that made it now impossible to get a, a quality drinking straw in, in Nebraska, you know, somewhere that's not even close to an ocean. So it does show the power of what it's like to have something be misconceived. And I would hate for agriculture to have that sort of example of uh, some video, and then all of a sudden we got a bunch of nonsense regulations about it. 
you said you're going to be speaking uh, out there in North Carolina. What, what's your talk going to be about? Well, we're going to be t- talking kind of the the shark farmer story, you know, how this young white-eyed kid went out to uh, Baltic, South Dakota and, and met his idols and they gave him a chance to be on the radio. Well, that sounds like a heck of a story there, Rob. So, um, yeah. all right, let's go back to the ad- advocating for agriculture thing. When when you are out speaking, and I'm sure even today or whenever it is you're, you're talking out there, you're going to be giving some more positive messages about ag beyond what you've already mentioned here today. So what wh- what else do you usually bring up to farmers and non-farmers? Well, you know, I, I know that you've been speaking to some very good voices in agriculture today. We're, Emily and I are a little different. We we provide a platform for people like that to tell their story where maybe they wouldn't have that platform before. But the ones that resonate are the ones that are positive, they're passionate, and they want to tell about agriculture because they want to protect agriculture for themselves and their family. Those are the ones that go over very well. Yeah. I, I'm with you on that. When I talk to people about, you know, I, I live right on a farm or I've lived on a farm much of my life. I, I drank well water much of my life. We have crop around our place. And it's like the last thing I want to do is have water that's contaminated or, I mean, just anything right. But I'm living right here on the land. And I think that for me has been one of the, the, the biggest things that's resonated with people. Rob, any, any last things you want to leave us with today when it comes to advocating for agriculture? Just be yourself. Uh, just speak from the heart and don't try to hide anything and uh, try to stay away from listening to Sean Haney's show. You don't want that. <laughs> hey, great tips. Uh, good, good advice there at the end. <laughs> All right, again, that's Rob Sharkey with us. He'll be on in just a little bit here with the Shark Farmer radio show. You can catch him on TV as well. Rob, thanks so much for the time today. We really appreciate it. Travel safe out there and have fun. Thanks for everything, guys. Really, really appreciate it. You bet. Thank you. All right. Last thing I've got here when it comes to this advocating for agriculture is, and it's the thing that I started with today, it's up to all of us. It's up to each of us to talk about agriculture. And your platform may be different than Rob Sharkey's platform, but it doesn't matter. Even if you're only talking to one person a day or one person a week, maybe, I don't know where you live. But the point is, if you're talking, like Rob said, just be yourself, be positive, be passionate about agriculture. I, that that message does carry forward. And if you think about the millions of farmers that there are out there in North America, if each of us just talks to one person every week, I mean, it's millions of people that have now heard that great story of agriculture. And if you're listening today and you're a non-farmer and you're saying, well, I don't know, I hear all these things in the media, I just encourage you, talk to actual real farmers about what's really going on out there and then you can also look at some of the statistics and look at some of the things that happened in our country 100 years ago 50 years ago even 20 years ago when you compare what agriculture is doing today to what we've done in past generations it's incredible that's Thanks to the hard work of farmers out there, it's thanks to the technology that we're now able to use. I mean, I'll be honest, I, I, 
many times have felt kind of bad for both of my grandpas who were farmers because they didn't have all the all the equipment that we do, the technology we do, just the, the even the knowledge. Like today, for example, so we had Zach Johnson on, the millennial farmer. You didn't have YouTube and, I mean, just even TVs back when my grandpas were young farmers. I mean, how did you share information? It was hard to get information around. Today, when we find something great, we're talking about it right away. It's out there on radio, on social media, on TV, all these things. So we can share that information so fast. And that's part of why we're seeing such an acceleration in yields and just the overall safety of our crop, the health of our crop. It's it's amazing. So anyway, I just I, I will also say this. For me personally, I love being a farmer and being an agronomist because every day when I wake up, I know that if I do my job and I do my job well, a whole bunch of people benefit. And there is no real downside. If you think about all the jobs that there are in this world, how could you find a better job than being involved in agriculture? It's awesome. The world needs more food, and we're here to try to provide it. And it's not just food. We're trying to come up with more nutritious, safer, healthier food. That's really what we're after. So anyway, I... I I love talking about the story of agriculture in general and just where we've come. Because I know even for our farm, how we're using soil tests today and what what how we're managing down to the acre and even smaller in some cases. So it, it, it's super fun. And I, I look at the future and I say, you know, Eventually, we might be able to manage this thing down to the foot, down to every square foot, and really maximize production. But then also, it's about utilizing the resources that we have. If instead of, oh, I'm just managing on a great big field, and the whole field gets treated the exact same way, if I can manage down to the acre, and eventually, someday, down to the foot, it's amazing. We're going to produce more. We're going to be more environmentally friendly. I'm super excited about the future, but I'm also really excited about what we're doing today. We're going to get back to the Ag PhD mailbag and answer your questions coming up next. AgroLiquid is precision crop nutrition. That means being committed to product performance, to research and field testing, and to superior agronomics. Most of all, AgroLiquid is committed to delivering precisely the right nutrition in the right way, including seed-safe planter plus side dress applications and foliar applications with low burn risk. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Don't turn your fertilizer application plan into a guessing game. Understand exactly how much fertility you need to reach your yield goals with the AgPHD Fertilizer Removal App. Simply enter your crop and your yield goal and the AgPHD Fertilizer Removal App calculates the amount of nutrition needed to keep your crop healthy and working for you. Quit playing guessing games with your fertility needs. Download the AgPHD Fertilizer Removal App today. Available on the Apple App Store and in Google Play. It's planting season. Race against the clock season. Mistakes can't happen season. And no one helps you face it all like John Deere. Putting technology in your hands that gets you in and out of the field faster. That makes your spacing and depth more accurate. 
and that gives you the confidence that this season will be your best season. See what you have to gain at johndeere.com slash gain ground. Just because your combine is one brand doesn't mean its corn head should be the same, especially when it costs you yield. Drago corn heads are engineered to harvest more. Lowest profile saves ears. Self-adjusting deck plates save kernels. Longer knife rollers reduce trash. And aggressive gathering chains pick up stocks. No other corn head works like a Drago or pays you back like one. See more features and find your Drago dealer at dragotech.com. Ag PhD has one mission, to give you the knowledge you need to make your farm more successful. That's why every issue of the Ag PhD Insider Magazine features crop fertility and pest management tips, insights into the world's highest yielding farmers, updates and results from our infield research trials, as well as the latest agronomy information from Brian and Darren Hefty. We put it all in one place so you can make your farm more productive and profitable. Subscribe to the Ag PhD Insider at agphdinsider.com. Compromise is nice if you're at the playground or scouring yard sales. But farmers know better that middle grounds have no winner. That's why there's Revitech fungicide, fast-acting and long-lasting, preventative and curative, disease control and stress reduction. So leave the settling to little Tommy at the seesaw, an old bargain bill, and take your full prize in yields with Revitech fungicide for uncompromised performance. Always read and follow label directions. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. We're getting back to the Ag PhD mailbag right now. Our next question comes from Bill. He says, I grow alfalfa in southwest Montana. My alfalfa is irrigated with the center pivot and wheel line, not flood irrigated. I just completed the third season with this alfalfa planting. I have a terrible pocket gopher problem, which only gets worse each year. I use Rosal bait, which has minimal effect. The problem with the bait is it only contains 0.005% chlorofacinone. Because of the low percentage of active ingredient, multiple feedings are required to be effective. But when the gopher feed on the bait, I suspect they get sick and don't return for additional feedings. Gopher baits and bombs used to be more effective when the active ingredient was closer to 5%. Any suggestions? Um, Bill, it's hard. I, I will just tell you in row crops, we usually talk about these things. Tillage, using some anhydrous, and then just flat out rotating different crops. And usually we have some success. In corn, then, we also will use, let's call it more harsh insecticides like counter, for example, and we don't have as much problem. Well, when you start talking alfalfa, and I'll just throw some of these things out, because as I was reading up a little bit on this to see what some people were doing in other states, including your state of Montana, so some of these terms came up that I haven't heard in a while, and I just thought I'd mention this. Strychnine, zinc phosphide, um, and there are a few others where I'm going, oh my gosh, I'm not using any of that that stuff in my field. And I mean, you'd have to find somebody else to go apply those things because they are unbelievably dangerous. So I, I, I really do feel for you. I, I wish I had some great suggestion because you can read up in just about any of these things where people talk, where they have pocket gophers and they have alfalfa and they're like, oh, let's talk about biocontrol and try to get owls, have owl boxes there so owls come around. 
uh, doing tillage, doing flood irrigation, gas explosive devices, uh, repellents like you had mentioned. I, I mean, there, there's just there's nothing I really know of. So I'll throw this out to all our listeners today. If you know of anything that can help Bill with his pocket gopher problem in alfalfa, if there's anything you've tried that's worked, let us know. We'd love to hear from you. You can just email us, radio at agphd.com. All right, we're going to go back to the phone lines. Got Tom calling from out in Pennsylvania. Hey, Tom, how are you today? Good, how are you? Excellent. So it sounds like you got some weeds in your strawberries. Yeah, yeah. I have, uh, I raise about three acres of strawberries. Okay. Um, several different varieties. Uh, yeah, but, uh, just having uh, some weed control problems with the thistle in them. Uh, yeah, thistle is a really tough one, especially when you start talking about strawberries, because we're dealing with basically a broadleaf crop and a broadleaf weed, and that's uh, that's really hard. So let me just first ask you: Is there anything that you've used in the past that um, has has done anything for you? Uh. 2,4-D at renovation works yep. works well. Yep. But it doesn't it doesn't kill them. No. It doesn't kill the uh, thistle. Nope. Nope. You're All right. All it does is suppress it. Yep. I agree with you 100%. It's typically just going to burn down the top growth. Okay. So. Right. What, yep. So, and and I. I'm assuming you're you're most concerned about it in crop, but unfortunately, I don't have any great answer for you in crop unless you can go out there and direct your glyphosate spray so it doesn't land on your strawberries, and that's a tremendous amount of work over three acres. So what? Yeah, that's that's highly <laughs> unlikely for me to happen. All right. Yep. So what a lot of people will do is either in the spring or in the fall, they go hit it really hard with Roundup or glyphosate. And our advice to people is always this. Don't do tillage first. If you let stuff just sit there, then the the thistle is tied together. It's thistles have rhizomes. And so what what the goal is, is to try to get a little bit in or get as much as you can into the plant above ground. And then it goes all through these rhizomes and it connects to a whole bunch of other plants. And hopefully that ends up working for you. Other than that, I just unfortunately don't have any any great suggestion. And I know I got a couple. Yeah, of, stru- we're, we're we're in our the middle. Of, are tough. Oh yeah, we're in the middle of our egg PhD uh, mailbag segment, and I have a couple other tough ones too. Like I just the gopher thing in alfalfa. I got another one coming up where I'm like, oh, I wish I wish I had some good <laughs> answers. You know, I just I feel lucky because we raise corn and soybeans and oats and wheat and stuff, and I got plenty of options yeah, to kill I, my I, thistles. I, I, I also raise uh, sweet corn and tomatoes oh. and stuff like that, but. I don't have too much problems with with those, but strawberries are a real bugger for me. Yeah. So, so I, you know, I, I, it's I, a lot of lot of hand work. Yep, that's exactly right. Yeah, unfortunately, I I wish I had some better suggestion, I, and I'm I'm sure you know there are a lot of people that'll use mulch and stuff like that. But I, I mean, for herbicide, yeah. Well, I I mulch them in the spring, and oh, like sure. I, well, I'm from Western Pennsylvania up here, and uh, we get a ton of snow. Matter of fact, uh, it's spitting snow right here here well i'll tell you what tom i'm I'm hoping hoping you save that snow i don't really like snow i mean until we get to march i'll take it in march because then it turns to uh water pretty quickly (laughs) 
Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? But it covers your ground. It's a good cover crop. Well, that's true. That's true. Yep, good point. But I, 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 what I'm trying to do in a lot of my fields, though, is kill disease and bugs and even maybe uh, reduce some compaction. So sometimes it's actually a benefit not having the, the uh, snow out there when we're not raising some kind of winter crop. Hey, Tom, we get to run, true. but uh, thanks for the call. Sorry I didn't have any okay, better answer you. for you, but hey. hopefully someday we'll come up with something. Okay, thank you. You bet. Thanks, have a Tom. Good day. You too. All right, our next caller is Emmett from down in Missouri. Hey, Emmett, what's going on today? Oh, we're just moving some headers, and I called Jeff to see what your opinion was on using counter in furrow with biologicals. I think counter would take out anything that's in there with it. What's your opinion? Uh, not necessarily. So a lot of, we do get this question fairly commonly. We also get the same question about fungicides killing biologicals. But counter, well, it's a harsh insecticide. It's not really a fungicide or a bactericide. So if you're using one of those uh, fungicide, or, or I should say uh, a, a beneficial fungus or a beneficial bacteria, I don't think you're going to have a lot of problem with counter. I really don't. Now, you could talk to whatever company you're working with that's selling you the biological and say, hey, have you tested this? And that maybe they have some data out there. But I, I personally would not fear using counter and also using some kind of biological. Okay, like, like the pivot bio-proven. Sure. You wouldn't be afraid to use it in for with that? No, no. Now, I, I will say... Uh, um, chances are you're putting that that biological you mentioned with water, right? I'm not sure how to plan. I've just been checking oh. to see if I want to or not. <laughs> gotcha. Okay, so here's where here, here's where I was going with this. I'm I'm far more worried about the water you're using than the counter. The counter's probably not going to hurt anything at all, but the water could. If it's chlorinated water, you got to put something in there to neutralize the chlorine. I mean, and it's literally pennies an acre, so it's no big deal. Also, if you had super hard water, so let's say you had calcium, magnesium, iron in in really high amounts, that also can negatively impact biologicals. And copper in your water is a really bad thing, too. So just quick side note here, northwest Iowa, so uh, probably 50 miles away from where I'm at, they've got some high copper levels in some of the water. And we were having guys, you know, really struggling with biologicals. Turned out it was just the excess copper in the water. So I'm just saying test your water, but in terms of the counter, I'm not worried. Okay. That right. answers my question. Okay. okay. Thank you. You bet. Hey, thanks for the call. I really appreciate it. All right. Uh, let's see. Got time for one more question in our Ag PhD mailbag. This comes from Kurt in Minnesota. What is the most economical broadleaf post-emerge herbicide for industrial hemp, especially pigweed and lamb's quarters? Um, Kurt, at this point, there is almost nothing labeled for industrial hemp. Now, there have been products tested. So, for example, Sharpen, Stinger, Permit, Prowl have caused very little damage. Also, Hornet, Python, Surpass, SureStart, uh, Metribuzin, and even Sulfentrazone. Uh, a very little problem. So hopefully these products will get labeled in the future. And uh, But if you heard me rattle off all those things, uh, none of those is really a great post-emerge for 
pigweed, and lamb's quarter. So that's where it comes down to use prees. Use some prees, something like a sharpen or sulfentrazone if and when they get labeled. That's going to help you out more than anything. And one of the yellows like a prowl, again, if those get labeled in the future. All right, well, thanks a lot for listening today. We appreciate it. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.